Tristan Jones. And we are the Watchers in the Basement. Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement. We are here today to discuss Season 4, Episode 2 of the HBO award-winning series, Succession. The title of the episode is Rehearsal. And Tristan, before we break down the episode like piece by piece, I want to get your overall thoughts on the rehearsal episode. What, what do you think about it? Man, that karaoke uh, scene. <laughs> <laughs> that when we when we put when we tell people about succession and you know we recommend the show, it's really for scenes like that. Like, I mean, you get a mixture of what we're definitely gonna talk about that scene, but like just the mixture of the drama, the emotion, the humor, the the apathy, the oh my god, like um I, I thought it was another strong episode, not as strong as, as episode one, uh, not as much going on, but it's still a lot going on. Um, so I mean, you don't you don't feel like there's a drop off. You just feel like you're in this current, the succession current, and it's just taking you from episode to episode, man. But I, another strong episode. Love it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. You know, this show. I think this show handles like the in-between moments in the story so well. And like the, like, you know, we're building up to these major events, you know, for example, the title of the episode, as I mentioned is rehearsal, which references uh, Connor's upcoming wedding to, uh, to Willa. And it's their rehearsal dinner. Although there's not a ton of rehearsal dinner that we see in this episode. And, you know, this is just like an in-between moment. We, the, the, uh, the deal with Gojo is about to happen. We've been told like, it's like a day out. So this big accusation is about to happen. And, you know, those are big moments for this season, for, for this kind of show or any kind of a show. But the way that this show, like, makes everything feel like a big deal, and it's just like what you mentioned, it's as long as you can get these characters in a room together, whether that's on a yacht, whether that's in a, on a, in a castle somewhere in England, or it's somewhere in Italy, or the Napa Valley, or whatever. Yeah. And it, for example, in this, in this episode, they're in a karaoke bar room. When you can get those people together, it's just magic. It, they just, they're just so great together. A lot of credit needs to be given to the score as well. Yeah. Like the score, they do an excellent job of matching the tension in whatever room they're in. Regardless, like you said, regardless of the location, the score is always perfect for that particular setting, for the emotional uh, pathos that the characters are going through. Like you, you feel it in the karaoke scene. That's the reason why that scene is so brilliant is because the way it's written, you're able, I think the Armstrong talked about it in the after the episode. Yeah. Um, but you're able to see like the inner monologue between each character, like, and like the music is so subtle and it's just kind of it's it's kind of haunting wherever. And I think it matches like the emotional weight that the character most of the characters at least are going through. Uh we, a lot of love and credit needs to go to uh, the score. I forgot the guy's name who does it. We talked about him uh, yeah. last week, but it's it, it's perfect and it's it always is appropriate to the scene that it's supposed to that is matching with. Yeah, the composer is Nicholas Bertel. I Nicholas believe that's how you say his last name. Yeah, the music the music builds tension and like you know we 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 said this last week and we're talking about it now, but like a, a lot of this show is just people in rooms talking to each other. And it like, despite that, it's there's so much tension. Like you feel, you know, the feelings these people have for each other. It's, it's mostly the family, the the hatred, the love, the whatever's going on there in their their lives or in the story. You feel that, and the music definitely elevates and kind of gets you to those levels. Um, 
yeah this is just a great great episode um i wanted to start off by i wanted to talk about the beginning of the episode we see logan and he is he's going to atn which is his cable news network which is kind of it's kind of his baby it's kind of the like the first big thing i think he he you know he was founded on this cable news network i think that's his that's i mean that's what he's keeping even with the gojo acquisition waystar royco is going to go away he's selling the the cruise ships and the theme parks and all that and like the movie studio i believe but he's keeping his tv station and so he goes to uh he goes to atn he visits the newsroom and uh he you know he gives this kind of like uh pep rally kind of speech or whatever it was pep talk to everybody i mean it's not and i you know and i've been in some newsrooms i've worked at like fox sports and houston chronicle i've never been in a newsroom with a speech where it ended with the person calling us fucking pirates pirates (laughs) (laughs) but i i didn't want to point out so in this scene you know he's in the newsroom and you know, t- Tom is alerted that that he's there by Greg. You know, the dis- disgusting brothers are, are you know, <laughs> the tag team is at work. So Greg lets know Greg. Leg, Greg lets Tom know that that uh, that Logan has showed up at work and he's in the the newsroom and they, you know they're all kind of like, oh, what's going on? And I think know, he said uh, he looked like a Santa Claus. If Santa Claus was a hitman, if Santa Claus is a hitman. Yeah, and then Greg was like, you know, it's like Jaws if everyone in jaws worked for jaws because <laughs> he's just he's walking around behind people and they're you know they're on their computers and like he's kind of like there's this one guy that he's like kind of berating he's like this guy's just working on one email that's that's like his job he's like you know, don't exhaust yourself too much but the part that i thought was especially funny and was kind of like i've kind of been in this kind of situation or i've seen this from the different places that i've worked at maybe places i still work at now is uh they're they're setting up this like makeshift stage of paper boxes for Logan to stand on to give the speech. And I love how <laughs> I love how you know he's got Sid there who she's kind of co-in charge of ATN with with Tom. And no no one wants to tell Logan anything. Like all they want to do is kiss his ass. Like that's no one will step up and go, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't say this, or even so it's silly. It's like they're, they're debating of whether or not he should stand on the paper boxes. You know, like it's just, I, I've just, I've been in those situations. I've been around people who just don't have what it takes to make these calls yet They're in charge of people. And uh, I don't know that, that hit a nerve with me. I don't know if that was something you noticed about this, but it's, it's a very yeah. like silly part of the episode. The, the thing I took away really from that, you know, seeing at ATN um, is one Logan's need to immediately intimidate, yeah. right? Like you talked about the, the guy with the email, you know, that him kind of razzing him from behind about the email set the stage for him being the first person that he <laughs> like really seeks to intimidate when he's giving his speech, right? Like it's 15 more than 48, like, like right, right. you know, like there's no, necess- no need to do it, but like this is how Logan commands a room, right? It's by intimidation. The second thing that it really got to me, it really I took away from it was the show in, in its first two episodes has been making more of an effort to show Logan's uh, kind of disconnection from reality, a disconnection from like the real world. 
you see how he talks about like the homeless guy on the street uh, later in the episode. Um, the conversation he was having with Colin last week about just talking about how he's a hundred feet tall and everybody else is below him. Yeah. And like that speech that he's given is like something you would see in a movie or a television show in like the nineties, maybe early to two thousands. Right. Whereas the world is much more isolated now where it's not, it's, it's much more, it's much more decentralized from having like that one figure who just comes into the office and makes all the decisions and, like, it's just not like that. That's not how our, our newsrooms work. That's not how our corporations work, our, our right. offices work. Um, so, like, he he's kind of giving this really outdated speech um, to a bunch of, I'm assuming, like, millennials <laughs> who right. are who have kind of grown past things like that. But, again, with the fraction of his relationship with his children, his wife, um, his brother, every pretty much everybody who's closest to him, he's getting further and further into a bubble to where like, yeah, he would think it's appropriate to make this rah-rah speech um, to where you call everybody fucking pirates without, you know, kind of recognizing a little bit of the irony there. Like he's just withdrawn from reality and increasingly so. Um, yeah. So like that was the biggest takeaway I got from it. And to your point about like nobody willing to tell him the truth, like this is some, again, we saw it in last episode at his party um and we see it much more in this episode logan is looking for somebody to challenge him yeah right on, on one on one end he's also looking for somebody to do some of the dirty work that he doesn't feel like doing especially with carrie yeah <laughs> like we'll talk about so you know like a lot of things to take away from that scene but like those are my top three right there like his, his withdrawn from reality like yep. the need to intimidate and his ability to kind of manipulate situations without really putting his name on it. Now, he does this a lot with the kids, but he he's really working uh, Tom and, you know, Tom eventually will work Greg um, and Sid as well. Like he's working both of those. And, and of course, I guess this, is, this goes into a larger thing that we've been talking about, like with privilege and like proximity to privilege, like everybody wants to have that power, but nobody really wants to do the powerful things like firing people and stuff like that or having those hard conversations. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, a very multi-layered scene, I would say. Yeah, no doubt about that. So, hey, we got uh, Frank's going to join us now. You're... There he is. What's going on, y'all? What's going on? What up? Much. Just, just talking about Succession Episode 2, Season 4. Frank, let's get your overall thoughts on the episode. Man, I, I, I thought it was great. Um, episode one was a little bit more, I think, exhilarating because we didn't know what was going to happen with the Gojo deal. And now that we have some, uh, some, uh, I guess, more entrenched ground of like where where the Gojo deal is going, and like now it's pushed back to it. Um, it was good. I, I think again, the, the the ongoing narrative is that the kids are just they suck at reading like reading like the foreground of what's going on with 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 how to conduct business and they just they they, they continue to have this very bratty uh my people my, my papa was mad at me so let me try to get payback through 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 all these business deals and like they're just in over their heads so um the question bears is that i don't from what it looks like to me it looks like to me they're going to fuck themselves out of a deal uh we're trying to ask for more um but again, I don't I don't know if they're just playing uh, chicken and seeing who blinks first. So uh, I don't it doesn't look like a very smart move, given the fact that they've 
continuously fuck themselves over and over again on trying to get at their pops. It just seems more personal than business. Yeah, I think it's definitely personal, especially for Shiv and for Kendall. I think Kendall maybe, you know, I think he he sees the numbers. He got the numbers from Stewie. It looks like it's a better deal on paper. But, I mean, we know, like we saw in this episode, Lucas Matson, played by Alexander Skarsgård, he calls Kendall and basically says, don't mess this deal up. I'm, I'll walk. You'll get nothing. And like, I did like the line. He's like, you know, I, I see that you're interested in, or you're, you're trying to give uh, suitcases full of money to old ladies. He's like, you're not going to have that money if you, you know, you're not going to be able to give us full suitcases of money to people if you don't, you know, stop here. So we know that Kendall knows, right? We know that, that Roman has a pretty good idea after talking to Lucas in season three, that he's a tough guy to deal with. The fact that Logan made a deal is pretty incredible. And, and, and Logan knows that too. And when he's telling the kids at the end, like, Hey, don't mess this deal up. I've made a good deal here. You know, Shiv takes it personally because I mean, she's, she's kind of has the biggest feud with her dad right now going, I mean, for multiple reasons. And what she says is very true. She says, look, like just because you say something's true, doesn't make it fact. And she's right about that. But I do think that Logan is right about this because I do think this deal will fall apart if they go back to the bargaining table and ask for more money. Tristan, what do you think about that? I mean, I completely agree. Um, I think there is reason to believe that, you know, maybe it's a game of chicken and, and, you know, like Frank said, just trying to see who blinks first. Mm -hmm. But I think Mattson is pretty serious about that. And I will... Well, remember from like season three is like he prides himself, even if this is not true, he prides himself on being like principal and, and stuff like that. And he views himself as like an idealist. So I can see him kind of stomping away um, if they push too hard, because it didn't really seem like this is a deal he wanted to do in the first place. Um, it took a lot from Logan and it took really him under, undercutting his own children like to make this happen. Um, so, I, but also... On the other hand, I from the kids' perspective, just to throw them a little rope, Logan has been increasingly uh, erratic in his decisions, um, you know, trying to elevate his, you know, assistant slash girlfriend to get her own show. Like, a lot of the decisions he's made have not really been that forward thinking. Like, Logan is also um, consumed by the past for him it's like hey this is something i've always wanted i always wanted pierce right like i want this this gojo deal like he's consumed by a lot of the same things that the kids are in, in, in a sense so i can understand like the reticence to just ultimately follow him but he's right <laughs> and yeah. the kids are the, the only one that really is is has the same kind of instincts regarding like the this particular business deal in business in general is Roman. Yeah. Right. Which is funny because he's seen as like the screw up, right. The unserious, um, super immature one, but he has a lot of the same, um, he has a lot of the same holdups as, as his father does. Right. So like, I'm not, I'm less inclined to just believe Logan, but because Roman does, and I've built a little bit more trust, at least with Roman's business instincts, not necessarily with his execution, I'm more inclined to believe that, hey, this is probably the best deal that they're going to get. 
But this also answered the question too, because I know last week I asked a question like, how much is these kids' net worth? You guys are throwing around ten billion dollars to to Miss Pierce for her company, but then Madison says on a call to Kendall like, hey, you won't have the money to give to this old lady if you fuck up this deal. So it shows me that you're robbing Peter to pay Paul with money you don't have, and now you're trying to fuck yourself on pl- trying to play chicken. Because if this doesn't work, you can't buy Pierce's company. So yeah. it's kind of like, so it answers my question of how much money, how much liquid money they, these guys really have as, as far as siblings. Yeah, that, that's really hard to answer. I mean, because they were going to need investors to make the the Pierce deal anyway, even with the money from the Gojo acquisition. So, you know, like, like you just said, if if they blow up, if if the Gojo thing doesn't happen, they don't get anything. I mean, they don't get they don't get that the, they're each five percent of the company to then in turn take that money and then you know with their investors then go buy this this legacy media company. So, I mean, they're obviously very well off. They, I would say, they all have hundreds of millions of dollars, but um, they're not going to be able to buy this just on their own. So they need the they need they need for this deal to go through. It's it's such a like. It's, it's like, and, and Shiv, I think she knows that. I don't, I don't think she, I think she's so determined to get back at her dad because he is now more than ever involved in her personal life with, with Tom, with the divorce stuff, you know, and let's, so let's talk about that a little bit with, with Tom and Shiv. So at the beginning of the episode, we, you know, Shiv is trying to secure like a divorce lawyer, divorce attorney. And she finds out that all the, all the, like the top ones in in New York or wherever are, they're conflicted out because they've been in contact with Tom. And so basically (laughs) Logan gave Tom the advice of, Hey, you contact all these top lawyers. And once they know your business, your side of it, they can't represent Shiv because they'll, there's, it's a conflict of interest because they know they've been approached by you, which is like, I guess one of Logan's like kind of go-to moves in this situation. And that just infuriates Shiv to no end. Right. Tristan. Oh, classic Tony Soprano move. Right. <laughs> like, Tony, Tony Soprano pulled this. I want to say with season three Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Cla- that's the first time like hearing of, of, like their strategy in my life was Sopranos. Um, yeah. So like, so Shiv calls uh, Tom. And so here's my thing with Tom. Tom is in a, a very precarious position. Like he's in a better position than he was last season. Um, he's much closer to Logan, obviously close enough to get this advice. Um, Logan clearly is acting out of spite because what father would ever like make the suggestions his, you know, future ex-son-in-law. Um, but Tom is also like really dependent on Logan being around and not screwing him over in the in the future. Right. Uh, so I, I, again, these are these are interesting moves that Tom is making. But <laughs> Tom bitched up very quickly when uh, when when Shiv called. And, and again, this goes back to the question I asked you, Justin. Like, what's the point of having this proximity to power if you're afraid to make the moves that come with said power, right? And that is a power move, right? But you have to have the stomach for you know, the blowback that's going to come with it because Shiv is going to be obviously pissed, right? Um, reasonably pissed. So I hated, 
I hate when Tom gets into like this bumbling idiot thing, but like for all intents and purposes, he should be in the process of like bossing up and he just doesn't have the stomach for it. And, and this, I think this is all, another reason that leads to one of Logan's moves um, towards the end of this, this episode that we'll talk about and some other moves that we think are going to happen next week. But Tom just doesn't know what to do with the respect that should come with the power that he's accumulated. Like that move there showed it. Yeah. I mean, Tom is, as I mentioned before, he's just kind of one of these like know nothing, do nothing kind of figurehead people at this company. And like I said, I've had experience with people like that. Um, in my work life <laughs> many times over. Um, but you know, he, I think, you know, Logan knows Tom's value and that, that Tom is a pawn in this battle with Shiv. And, you know, right now that they're still married, he can kind of, you know, he can take it out on her by, you know, as, as Logan says at the end of the episode, he, he mentions that had, had Shiv come to him before Tom, if, you know, if Shiv were on his side, he would have given her the same advice that he gave Tom to, you know, contact every divorce attorney in the tri-state area or whatever, and get the best on your side. So right now, like he's just the, the guy in the middle, but uh, you're right. He, he, he is, uh, you know, he's like the head of this network, you know, like he should, be able to make calls and, and we'll get into the carry stuff here in a little bit, but uh, that's another example of that. Um, or it, it could be a power move by, by Logan too. He probably knows that Tom is going to bitch up and, and cause all this discord, which will put ship off her game and trying to get back at her down on all these deals. So I wouldn't be surprised. If Logan saw this as, you know what I am going to, you know, cut the cord and then like, and strangle all these divorce lawyers through through Tom because I know Shiv and Tom are going through something just to throw Shiv off her game with her brothers and trying to overtake this hostile takeover or whatever you, you want you want to call it all these deals too. So yeah, Marcy was commenting about how maybe his like bumbling idiot thing is like part of his strategy. And I think that's true to a certain extent. I think the way he talks to people above him, meaning Logan, and you know, Greg has kind of co-opted this too. They're so delicate in how they phrase everything that ultimately like they're saying like absolutely nothing. <laughs> like it's, it's very hard to even follow like the trail that they're trying to weed, you know, to tell just basic kind of stuff. So, uh, but I wanted to focus on Greg real quick before we get too far away from him. Uh, the, you know, the other half of the disgusting brothers, because in this episode, I think we kind of see a heel turn from Greg. Now, not that Greg has been on, on the, you know, he hasn't been fighting the good fight the whole show, but in the beginning he was kind of this like lovable, like, you know, just kind of like trying to find his way in the world in this crazy family. In this episode, there's a couple of things we see from him. Uh, I mentioned earlier, we were talking about the, the speech that Logan gives at ATN. And if you notice they they focus the camera on Greg a couple of times and he's like, Greg is like smiling ear to ear laughing whenever Logan calls that guy out. Like Tristan mentioned the guy where he's like, he's like, well, you know, you're up 15%, but, but price our, our cost is up 40%. So this four, this 15 equal 40, you know, he's like hammering this guy and the guy's like afraid to answer. And finally he answers and they show Greg and Greg is just loving it. He's smiling. And then when Logan ends the speech with his, like, you know, like his rah, rah ending, you know, you're fucking pirates and we're going to build something better and it's going to be the best ever and whatever. They show Greg and Greg is like clapping and like laughing kind of like deliriously, like whereas 
everyone else in the room is clapping because it's the boss and then they're all kind of kissing ass, but no one is into it more than Greg. And then the next thing about the episode with Greg, where you kind of see his heel turn is when he is asked to be the one to tell Carrie that, you know, she's not good enough to be on the air, which sidebar, I did not see that storyline coming at all. Did y'all see that coming? Like Carrie no, becoming suddenly Carrie wants to become an, a news anchor on ATN. Like I, I thought, I thought I overlooked it. It might, it, it might have been leaked from season three of like her having it as uh, inspirations or to be a news anchor. But if so, it was, it was briefly like for like a second mentioned, but I, I don't remember anything about her wanting to be an anchor. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. I mean, I, I get like the, the power, like she's definitely a power player and she's like Logan's, kind of girlfriend you know she's the advisor to the company all this kind of stuff but i i did like how that that part of the the episode where her her test video her audition tape is kind of like you know being passed around the company and everyone's <laughs> kind of making fun of her you know the the lawyer you know he's showing jerry in the meeting and then you have of course uh kindle and roman are just ripping her apart like Oh my God, the the <laughs> the quips <laughs> as they were watching that tape. Like, uh, it was a Roman was like, uh, damn it, he basically is calling her an alien, like a robot. Like right, I need right. to make the humans believe that I'm. <laughs> but why? Here's my question. Sydney has, I know Tom is over. Tom is like the main person, but like they're co-heads, kind of. Like, and Sydney are. Yeah, yeah, Sid is like the. She's the old guard, and then like I think Tom, it might be slightly above her, or they're like on the same level. Yeah, yeah. Okay, why in the fuck would sit? Why would they allow that to happen? <laughs> like she's really bad. Like I, I well, she's the boss's girlfriend though. The boss's girlfriend. I, I I get that, but like, what's worse, saying no to the boss or have her look like an ass on national television? Well, they they believe that saying no to the boss, right? Is worse. They, I, you could tell by the the way that they're afraid to like even critique like i mean like yeah there's nothing wrong with giving a critique like i mean eventually tom was able to spit out like she's raw she needs a lot of time like you could have started there <laughs> like, i don't think there's anything wrong with saying hey she's not an anchor i don't yeah. think she's ever done an audition tape i don't think she's had formal training in uh in being an anchor being on television let's give her some time let's put her at a, a much 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 uh just, smaller <laughs> network and then go from there like you could have said that but like yeah. they don't I I guess it's I'm just because like Logan's all about stature and 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 like his his rock with the iron fist demeanor. And like he said he watched the tape, but he wanted Tom's opinion first. <laughs> you know, Dan, where if this woman's on your is on this station on, on the news station looking this bad, that's that's a that's a crack to your reputation as far as like putting people who are not credible enough to be on air. So why would Logan Logan can be this fix it over pussy? Logan, sure Logan, not, Logan did not want her on the air either. Yeah, he didn't want no. He, <laughs> he just he was looking for someone to tell her. He was he wanted Tom to do his job. And then Tom, of course, then like handed off to Greg to yeah. take care of it. Yeah, but I'm just surprised Logan didn't have the balls to say no because Logan has no problem saying no to anybody else. But here's a trend with with women that Logan, it gets close to Logan. Like he immediately gives them some type of power. Marshall, he gave, he wanted to give her a seat on the board. You know what I'm saying? Like he rearranged the whole trust yeah. um, around Marsha, um, essentially because she's new, you know what I'm saying? And once, you know, Carrie became new, it was like, okay, let me 
spoil you and lavish you with these opportunities and so like let me make this thing happen for you like this, this is what powerful men do like they want to make things happen for people because so they can say hey, i made this thing happen for you it becomes like another notch on their belt like oh look, look at this star i made at atn yeah. like she had no formal training and look at her now right uh or he was, she may have you know at some intimate moment mentioned that she always dreamed of being you know, on TV or blah, 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 and, you know, kind of kept pushing it and, you know, he, you know, trying to indulge and then was like, oh, she's really shitty at this. Like, and then like he does with a lot of things, he passes it off to yeah. somebody else to take care of the thing that he doesn't want to. But I guess what throws me off is that Marshall was at least credible in her stature and what she, and what she, what she stood for. Carrie's not credible in anything as far as like, as far as like answering phone calls and like, well, his ball from time to time. Marsha was more established, right? Was, because but, she, yeah, right. Yeah, she was more established. She had she had done more. So she had a life before Logan, though. Hmm? She had a life before Logan. She had she had overcome and, and did some things before right. Logan. I think that's what drew Logan to her. Um, whereas also at his age, like Logan also wants somebody who can just kind of you know succumb to him whenever he wants. So like I don't know what the fuck Logan wants, man. I don't think Logan knows what the fuck Logan wants. It's, no. It just seems out of character for Logan. That's what I'm kind of throwing off with this curveball in season four. You know, I think he's having this like late life crisis, and, I, and like she's a confidant. Obviously, she's very involved in his life. She's you know sitting in the karaoke room with the kids and the, with the family. You know, as the Roman calls it, the family fuck fuck. <laughs> like <laughs> she's a part of that. So I think it's one of those things where it's like, I think if it, you know, it's tough to tell her no for. Because like maybe Tristan said, maybe this is like a dream of hers, and it's maybe he doesn't want to crush that because he I, he cares for her on some level. So it's easier to to tell Tom, but it's also a thing this where man I think, crush dreams on a Tuesday just because it's Tuesday. No, what I know. Fuck? Like I, I maybe know, he has a crush dream quota. Like maybe that's true. Yeah, yeah. The, he's crushed ship, and this is like his 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 princess. He's crushed ship on yeah. multiple occasions, and she's one through three. Like I don't, I don't. But, know. It's just like, I don't know. But like Roman said, like this is a pattern. If we look at the pattern with Logan Roy, it's um, spoiled, and then it's be be disgusted at the thing that you spoiled, and then it's kick the thing. Uh, I forgot who said it. Like he, Logan, no, it was Shields' mom, the, uh, the three kids' mom. Like mm-hmm. Logan kicks things just to see if they'll come back. Right. So like Roman said, like in the karaoke scene. Like you just you know you you burst your you know betrayal uh, chair. Betrayal like, chair. Yeah. This is the this is the pattern with Logan. It's like build somebody up and then break them all the way down, right? And he, he just did it quicker with Carrie, <laughs> like, and he did it indirectly instead, <laughs> instead yeah. of being the one to pull the trigger. And I think he wants for people like Tom or Sid or even Greg to prove their worth to him, to tell him to shoot him straight because you know when he because he asked Tom about the tape a couple times, so that's mentioned, and the first times the way Tom plays it, you're not even sure if he even watched the tape because he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, you know, he's like, yeah, no, she's, she's got it. And then, then the Logan's like, what are you sure? Doing? And he's like, well, she's raw. You know, like the way they, the way they fluctuate on like Logan, like a, if he like bats his eye, they, they change their whole like opinion on anything in that, in that moment. I think he wants them to go. She's not good enough to be on our, on our air right now. Maybe we can train her. Maybe we can put her on like the weekend at four o'clock in the morning time slot or something, but she's not good enough for prime time. 
and they're just too afraid to do anything or tell him anything that he doesn't want to hear or they think he doesn't want to hear. And he's dying for somebody to push back on him. Yeah. Dying, just so he can go back right. and forth with him. Like, he may end up crushing them later, but, like, at least he'll yeah. respect them before he crushes them. I and mean, he just doesn't respect the people around him. It's not – we talk about the kids and, like, their, their need to, like, suck up to him. Um, uh, Connor, you know, called them, like, emotionally, like, dependent on him, basically. Like, they're dependent on his love. Right. Um, but that extends to the people in his work. That extends to Jerry, extends to – uh, to Frank and all these people, Carl, uh, Hugo, like it, all of these same people, they clam up within the mere, really, presence of him walking into the room. It's like the principal mixed with your father, right? <laughs> like, and mixed with a priest or something like that. Like, and he, he, it just leaves a lack of respect for him and pretty much everybody in his life, honestly. Like, who in Logan Roy's life does he fully respect? I think the only person would be his brother, and they don't speak. Yeah, as, I was gonna say his brother, who just oh, like, Marcia. yeah, Marsha. I think Jerry. I think I think he's. I think he respects Jerry. I think he respects Jerry more than his kids, and more than Carl, Frank, and whatever. But like, he knows she's smarter. He knows she's smarter. She knows, yeah, though it, it it takes a while with Jerry, but she will eventually tell him the truth when she told him, "Hey, the feds are outside." <laughs> This is not time. This is not fuck around and find out time. This right. is we're going to do what they say because we have no other fucking choice. Right. Like she, Jerry, at least has her center is the law. Her center is at least corporately what's right. So while she's not always going to be the first one to, to jump in Logan's face and like push back on things. Um, but I also think yeah, Logan doesn't ask Jerry because Jerry because Jerry's going to give him to him raw. I think, yeah, I think Logan looks week to, to try try to push the week to be strong, like Tom or Sydney or all these other people. Jerry's never going to lead a rebellion against Logan, no. right? Like when she, I don't know if she was kind of playing Kendall in the first season when she kind of you know to the side was like, hey, if you make a move, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just kind of how she operates. If if something if she feels like something is the right thing to do, she's going to wait till somebody else <laughs> take commandeers it. And then she'll follow along, but she has she she will tell Logan the truth, and she will tell him what's right. Um, she just needs a buffer before that for that to happen first, right? Because she's not related. She's not. I mean, he wants it to be his family. That's what he. That's why he's. I mean, I think he does, or in, in theory, he wants a true successor to take over. And that that's what you would think. I, maybe he doesn't though. But like, he doesn't have that with his family. He knows that. Um. But just to kind of put a bow on the carry stuff, I, w- I want to talk about how. <laughs> so, so you know, basically, Tom is assigned with telling Carrie she's not good enough, and so right away he delegates that he delegates that to to Greg, and he tells Greg how to how to handle it, and so then Greg does it. I like how Greg like he just kind of catches her out in the hallway, and he's like, "Hey, can I uh, can I possibly grab you for a few minutes?" And she's <laughs> she had a great line. She's like, "Yeah, why not." You've already grabbed every other woman in Manhattan. And so disgusting brother. <laughs> right, disgusting. <laughs> so then, then they go in and they're having he's he's telling her, it's basically he's like kind of firing her, like or you know, telling her she's not good enough for this job, which is interesting because of what we saw in episode one, where she, you know, she was telling him about how his date wasn't, you know, good enough to be at this party, where you know, this is a special event, this birthday party. So in episode two. He's uh, 
he's telling her that, oh no, he's like, no, you're great. And, and Logan thought you're great. And Tom thought you're great. But you know, it's, it's this focus group. We have this focus group and they thought that, you know, like, focus group me? right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and she just, she's so locked in that she doesn't care anything else is going on. She's, she wants to know about the focus group. And I like how, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's like, yeah, they're not sure if you're ready. And they're also, it's like, you know, something about your arms. <laughs> she gets, arms. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, he's like, the arms aren't right. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, they're just a little on TV. And it's just like, <laughs> what does that even mean, though? Like, I know. Tristan and I are drills and majors. I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about when he said that. Like, <laughs> like, is this a broadcasted term? <laughs> you know what's so crazy, though, is, is I don't, I mean, I don't know if this is real per se. But you know there are people that work for these networks who watch these people and they go, yeah, her arms aren't as toned as they should be. She needs to be more tanned. Hey, that dude's mustache looks terrible. Like, you know, like there are people who do that. That's their job is to critique that kind of stuff. So I think the comment's funny, but it's just the fact that that's what he pulled out to to criticize her was just like, yeah, your arms aren't right. They're not ready for TV. (laughs) Well, we were in college. Um, they used to tell us like uh, those horror stories about, you know, people will come in and visit, you know, journalists, anchors, so, yeah. and they will come in and tell us about like, how like your appearance is picked apart, oh, yeah. like, completely picked apart, especially women, right? So I think they nailed it on that. Like, and I think like the unofficial kind of jargonish way that Greg is like really blabbery way that he goes about doing it is also consistent with, you know, a lot of people who, especially corporations who are hiring, you know, not so experienced people, right? And they just kind of like bullshitting their way through these things. So yeah, I, th- I thought it was pretty apt, honestly. But I, I was I was hoping just for his character development that he will put his foot down. And, and, and let's let's be frank here. Like he he was put in a very fucked up position by Tom. This this was Tom's job. Um, so let's make that clear. But I was hoping for his character development that he would have put his foot down and just said some ballsy shit. Like, look, look man, you ain't that good. Like, you stutter, you, you don't speak with confidence, you stumble over words. Like, just to see that development of Greg after three three plus seasons, but it's just more the same Greg. And isn't it funny how, like, she's so great with, I mean, she's, like, sharp as a tack with everyone, like, personally, but then in front of the TV camera, she was so bad. Like, that's what's so crazy, like, because she's so authoritative and take charge, but then they throw in front of the TV camera, she's talking about some kid that gets killed, and she's, like, laughing and smiling as she transitions to the weather, and she's, like, there's like no understanding of like how to do TV. But I think like, I think like Tom, I think Carrie is one of those people where people who are, she views as lesser than her. She has no problem speaking her mind, even with the siblings. When she calls like to facilitate with the, what Logan is once from the, from the kids, she's kind of meek with them too. She's not, she's not ballsy with them. She knows that she knows the kids are, are, her, uh, are higher than her on the, on the totem pole. So right. she's even very like, you know, passive with them. With Greg and possibly Tom, she has she doesn't give a fuck because she knows. Well, you know, lo, I'm above you because of because of the, uh, the position that Logan puts me in. So yeah. And but uh, and when she you know made the call to to cancel the helicopter, she was giddy as fuck to do that. You know oh yeah, I mean? she couldn't be happy. Yeah. <laughs> that was her that was her chance right there. To get it was finally payback. Yeah, it was finally yeah. like this, this is my chance to hit you below the bed a little bit. But you made a great point about like. The, the fact that she, you know, she doesn't have no fucking clue what she's doing. I think that's a, the broader theme about the show and a lot of, you know, a lot of the people involved is like, they don't really know what the fuck they're doing. Like, you have Logan, you have Carl, you have uh, Frank, and you have Hugo and Jerry, 
Outside of that, you could anybody else. I seriously don't think. I think everybody else is incompetent in, in the, the, yeah. the roles that they're in, and they all they're all looking for higher roles. In a, in the industry when they haven't mastered the roles that they have, right, or even the ones that come before that shit. A lot of it's a lot of uh, step skipping, right, based on prestige, based on what your last name is, based on who you're screwing, based on like all these things. Yeah. So like. Yeah, like there's a, so much incompetence going on, you know, in that company and around that that circle is because because of privilege. A lot of people have been elevated to positions that they simply are too inept to, to like really execute. And this would be a great transition to uh, Kendall, Shiv, and and Roman. Yeah, so, no. It, go ahead, go ahead, Frank. One point, like all the names you mentioned, Tristan, Hugo, Frank, Jerry, all of them have probably have thirty five to forty years experience just being around Logan. And, and how and Logan is as a, as a man, let alone the business. And I mean, these kids are, you know, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Rome's in his 30s, Kit, uh, Shiv and uh, Kid are probably in their 40s. But Jerry and those guys, Jerry, Hugo, and Frank, they've been they've probably been there since the 60s, 70s, or whatever, since the, launch, the, the beginning of the launch of ATN, being in the board and all the, they've probably seen over 40 different years of votes uh, with the board as well. So they have a lot, they have a wealth of experience that the kids just don't have. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think they've all been there for a long time. Um, just to put a pin in the Greg stuff, after Greg kind of tells Carrie that she's not good enough to be on TV, she walks out of the room. He's like, I did the job. I did the job. He's talking to himself. And like I said, like, if you start putting the pieces together, he's kind of becoming like, not that I think he's going to take over at the end of this show, show, but like, he's getting used to like doing this stuff. Like, I, I think he's going to clash with Tom later on in the season. I think that's going to happen because I think he's, he's starting to do things that where it's like Tom won't, Tom won't or can't do. And Greg's trying to become, you know, comfortable with uh, firing people and being in charge and, you know, throwing his weight around. And without that marriage certificate, uh, that, that <laughs> Tom becomes a lot more vulnerable, you know, at least Greg, he's family. Exactly. And speaking of marriage, let's talk about uh, Connor a little bit here. Uh, so the title of the episode is Rehearsal in, in reference to Connor and Willa's rehearsal dinner. Like I said earlier, there's not a, we don't see a ton of it, but uh, the, you know, Shiv and Kendall and, and Roman, they're late for the rehearsal dinner because as Tristan mentioned before, they were going to catch a, a helicopter to go there and Logan canceled it on them. He said, you know, they, they weren't authorized to use the helicopter. So they had to make their way to wherever that was. Um, they, they, they encounter Willa and she's drunk and she's looking to get out of there and she's definitely having second thoughts. Right. I mean, I guess the, for my first question, I'll throw it to Frank first. The wedding is next week's episode. That's the, the title is like Connor's wedding of the episode. Do you think they actually get married? Yes, I think they do. I think Willa, I think Willa, she sees because I think in the show ver in the show universe it's like tomorrow, right? If I, if I yeah, it's the next day. So I yeah. think it's just her having stage fright and like realizing that we all we all know she doesn't. I mean, she might care for Connor, but she doesn't love Connor. She's not yeah. in love with this dude, and she's probably realizing like shit. If I get married to this dude, my youth is probably gonna be wasted. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm gonna be stuck with a guy, probably have kids with a guy that I don't fuck with or don't love. Is it really worth is it really worth my youth? Is it, is it really worth me trying to get my 
my passion projects going, like, you know, me, me want to be a playwright and all of this. And, you know, am I built to be a, a, a Roy in this family? I think we're just stage fright. I, I think for the most part, uh, we, we know she doesn't really want to marry him, but I think what's going to happen is that she's going to, she's going to like balance and like look at the, the, uh, the advantages of being married to Roy as opposed to the disadvantages of being married to Roy. Cause I think her, her, her former life, she was a prostitute and she was trying to make, make ends meet. So I think she's gonna, I think she's gonna cave in and get married tomorrow or next week's episode. Yeah. I think they're gonna get married because I think all of these people deserve unhappy, loveless marriages, right? Like it's, when you go this this long without like- From the married dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying like, you go that long without self, you know, introspection, self-awareness, empathy, you know, like um, therapy, it, you know, like, you set yourself up to be the people that they are, which are people who are only like bullied by money, right? And I think such a big episode, I mean, theme of this episode is like transactional love, right? You see what Carrie, yep. her and Logan, that's transactional, right? I do this you, you do this me, right? Even Logan's relationship with the children is almost purely transactional. Tom and Shiv, transactional love, like Tom gets, the elevated positions in the family um, and Shiv gets, you know, somebody that can be home while she is Shiv, right? Uh, with Connor and, and uh, Willa, it's completely transactional. It started out transactional, literally transactional. And it has at least progressed to the point where at least one of them can hope for something more than that at, at, in, a later, in a future date. You just don't think it's going to happen. Right, Connor is too much of a buffoon to like learn about himself and just become, you know, a caring, self-aware, <laughs> like, or just awareness of anything besides himself. Also, Connor doesn't really know how to love. He's never been loved, right? He's never been loved by his father. You know, past seasons they talk about like uh, mental health issues with his mother. She was institutionalized. Uh, it seems by Logan, he's never really felt love. So. It, it would be unreasonable to expect that he knows how to give that to somebody, especially every day for the rest of his life, right? Like the only thing, the only love that he's known is with money because it's the only thing that has been secure. Like he hasn't, he was he was uh, shelled off from the, the other siblings and his father for years. Like he talks about not seeing his father for years. He talks about not getting the respect from his family. And it's all culminates to, you know, what he said at the karaoke scene, like I don't need love, right? Because he's never really had it. Like, I don't see a scenario where Connor has received enough love to be like a functioning, loving family person, right? They're gonna get married, right? Because they deserve this, right? Willa, by making the deal with the devil to say, hey, I'm gonna put aside like these feelings, love, care, mutual respect for whatever security comes with being married to her, being involved with a Roy, this is kind of, this is, you know, the bill come and do, right? Um, and with Connor, when you you know propose a relationship with someone based on transactional a transactional relationship the bill comes due at the end which is hey she might run out and leave at any moment right because you never established a loving relationship like a real human relationship so they'll get married by the way that that kind of line the bar was a bar that was a bar i'm sorry that 
that that pretty much just explains all the kids, not just Connor. Like right. I, I grew up that I grew up that love. She leaves, fine. I never had love in the first place. She stays, cool. I, I'm I just I don't know how to love. And that's 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 my normalcy. That's I mean, to that effect, it was I want I almost I almost felt sorry for Connor for a second. Like it was because because we, we laugh at Connor something. Like he's the butt of all the jokes, and that and that one line to me kind of just it kind of just permeated throughout the four seasons of who who uh, Connor is and and what the kids have faced growing up in their childhood. You know, from not just Logan, but from from you know the mother as well. Yeah, and you know, Connor talked about not having love. You know who does who does love him, and I think we find out in this episode is his brother Roman Roy. Roman has love for Connor. Roman, if if you're paying attention, Roman wants his family to be together. Like he really does, even though he's he's the one who has the best insults. And I mean, you know, in this episode, there's like 20 lines. Not kidding. I have about 10 of them I wrote down. But like mm-hmm. he has like a 20 lines that are like the funniest thing you've ever heard. Like he's so good at just busting people and just, I mean, just cutting through them. But he wants his family to be together. He really, he, d- despite how dysfunction, dysfunctional they are and all the issues they have, he wants nothing more than to, you know, as we see at the end, be by his, be on, be on his dad's by his dad's side. But he also wants his his family to get along, and we cool. see that in a in this episode where, you know, the Shiv and Kendall they're ready to bounce from Connor's uh, rehearsal dinner. They just got there, and they're ready to leave because they're interested in talking with. Uh, Sandy and Stewie about you know this board meeting that's coming up the next day. They want to. They know that if they all join forces. They can push Logan to try to get more money out of the Gojo deal. Right. That's that's their plan. And Roman he doesn't really want to be a part of that. And he's you know he he wants them to stick with 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 their brother. And you know because obviously Connor's having a rough time. The fact that he at the rehearsal dinner and his bride to be is kind of bounced and she's just on the town and he's like, he's like tracking her cell phone on his phone, which is pretty strange that he's like that locked in on it. But I did like, uh, you know, Roman is like, you know, Connor says that he wants to do something fun with the, with his siblings. And they decide to go to the karaoke and Roman's like, yeah, a little bachelor party for the uh, POTUS scrotus. (laughs) But that was funny. You know, you know, Roman's, emotional intelligence has increased tenfold yeah. um, since even like season two. I think you, we see a lot of it in season three, um, especially in that finale. Good God. But like his emotional, even last week, like he having the awareness to know that Shiv needed more time to, you know, some emotional time, like before, yeah. like the, the investors came in, he's pretty in tune with like the emotions of his family and, and like the emotional, um, whatever emotional whatever of his family like he understands what people are going through and yeah like you said even though he's the jokester right and it i think it's hard for people to take him seriously on that front he's tapped into what like when people need something right it again it's, it's what roman is always execution can he always do it probably not can he do can he do it out humor probably not when no. kimball you know tells him and shiv about the kid that he essentially helped kill Right. Like Roman is there for him. Right. He right. uses humor, but he's there for him. Yeah. Um, and again, like this is why I'm saying like Roman is overtaken. Cousin Greg is my favorite character. Like piece of shit he may be. The emotional intelligence, I think, provides a center for him that we just didn't see prior to like season three. Right. It's just 
jokester, you know, unserious, uh, can't focus on, on the task, um, balancing out the really good ideas that he may have, like really poor execution or just whatever, like just too scared to like step up in the moment against his father. Like he's gotten better and more mature as a character. And that makes him an even more special character because you're still going to get the insults. <laughs> like the insults come like, it's like breathing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you can add the emotional intelligence and, and, and things like that, man, you have yourself a character. I mean, when I asked him last week, episode one of this podcast, I said he'd been my favorite character. I, I think the tie turn for me, the tie turn for me was Kendall when Ken admitted um, killing that kid, killing that kid, and yeah, like you said, it came with jokes, but like he didn't want to leave Kendall alone because he knew that okay, as a, as a unit, yes, we're fighting. At that point, they were fighting him, Shiv, and Kendall. Um, but he knew at, at this point, my brother needs me, and I'm, I might give him shit about it, but just know, just know, that I have your back. I'm not leaving you in this moment. And that that to me showed a, a bunch of maturity. Now, will Roman still do what he did in season one with that kid with, with the men dogs in the, in the baseball home run thing? He probably would have, because that's just that's just him that's just him at a baseline. That's who Roman is. He's an asshole. But when it comes to his family, he does he does care for his family. He said I would set aside a hundred thousand <laughs> and I would devote it to ruining your life. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the woman on the uh, on the like the tarmac or whatever, where the helic where the helicopter is landing, he's you know he's like just telling her flat out, "I will devote a hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of dollars to ruining your life." Do you do you want to sign up for that? Like, <laughs> that was my third favorite Roman line. And in, in in this episode, my my first favorite Roman line was when Connor's trying to locate his trying to locate Willie. He's like, "Where is she going?" And he's like, "To a to a younger, harder, fleshier dick." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not saying your cum is bad. Right? <laughs> it's like it's probably washable, you know. Like, oh, no, I, I must be wrong about three. The, the comedic timing, though, like oh Connor is, is looking for like refuge and like he's he's trying to be vulnerable here, and he just shits on it, like with just with just that one line bar. <laughs> we could talk about. I mean, the whole episode could be his lines. I mean, like Man. you know, his line about. Uh, well, a couple lines to Kendall because you know Kendall always got to be trying to be cool and insightful. He's he's like quoting he's had these like Buddhism quotes, <laughs> and, and uh, you know Roman's like he's like it's like hey Buddha, nice Tom Ford's you know pointing to his very expensive shoes, and then that that one part where uh, Kendall's like you know just be water, don't worry about it, and 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 Roman's like he's like what happens if I kill a Buddhist? Do I get reincarnated as, as a Buddhist? Or... And and then you know the whole part where they're sitting there and they're, you know, he, they see, we see that Rome, uh, we see that Logan has texted Roman back. Right. And as we, you know, in the first episode, it was, it was Logan's birthday. We find out that Roman texted his dad on his birthday, just said, Hey dad, happy birthday. Take care Roman. And of course that deeply bothers both Shiv and Kendall. They're like, this is the ultimate betrayal. Like you, you broke our trust. We're not supposed to be communicating with him until he apologizes to us. And then just the back and forth, you know, like the, he's, you know, Shiv's like, I need to see your phone. He's like, take it. He's like, it's just a bunch of dick pics anyway. He's like, dad's got a taste for that now too. <laughs> and then he's like asking about, she's, he's like, well, I, you know, let me see your phone. It's probably some like WhatsApp where they're sharing pictures, pictures of your snatcher yeah. across the country. <laughs> I mean, he's so quickly he can just crush whoever it is. Like, 
Oh we just God. named like 12 insults. I just want like yeah, off the top of my domes. Like it's this is... it's so funny. It's he's so he's such a funny character. Even there when he's like, he's like, you know, y'all are like trying to gang up at me. He's like, you're acting like you're like John and McCartney, you know, he's like, I'm fucking John. And he's like, and Connor, you're still Connor, but you like won some raffle where you get to sit here and <laughs> eat with us or whatever. We call Kendall Kendall Yoko. Like, Yoko, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, again, that explains the emotionless um, I guess anger, anguish, and frustration with with the siblings and the father. For 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 Kendall and Shiv to get so upset for Roman just to say, "Hey, happy birthday, take care." It wasn't like he was conspiring behind their back and trying to cut a backroom deal, and it was just a it was just a happy birthday text. And for them to be so distraught and angry about that shows you shows you how 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 there's so much of just unsettled um, trauma, you know, from their childhood to now with their father. Yeah, well, I mean, Kendall and Shiv, they're they're battling their father. Like it's a battle all the time. Whereas Roman, as we see at the end, you know, he wants to be on his dad's side. I, he really just wants his family to be together. Like he really does. That's, that's, it's kind of the feeling that I get from watching him as, you know, as crude as he can be and how he can rip everybody apart with, with every single comment. He really loves his family and he wants them to be, be together and to be as happy as they could possibly be with this crazy Roy family. Um, so, so moving on, we, we get the, I mean, we can talk a little bit more about the, the karaoke scene where, you know, Logan, basically, you know, he, I guess Connor tips him off that they're going to this karaoke room and Logan and his, uh, his best pal, uh, Colin, you know, his security guy and, um, Carrie show up and the kids kind of make their make their pitch to him or, you know, basically say, look like this is what you should do. You should go back. And this is kind of like, this is where Logan kind of really takes it to him telling him how, you know, I mean, he, first of all, he apologizes. All he says is sorry. He doesn't say what he's sorry for. He just says, sorry. They, they kind of, you know, talk about that, about all their kind of, not all their problems with him, but you know, many of their problems with their dad recently. And, then they push him and tell him, look, like this is just about business. We, we think we can get more money out of this deal. That's why we're going to go with, with Stewie and with, uh, with um, Sandy. And he knows that they have a point, right? He knows like their play, like he understands their play, even though he doesn't think it's the right move because he doesn't think Matson is going to, going to pay us a penny more for this deal. But this is where Logan kind of takes them apart and just says like, you're such fucking dopes. He's like, you're not serious figures. He's like, I love you, but you're not serious people. And like, that's like his ultimate, like walk away quote. Like there's nothing else they can really say back to him. Really. Kendall. I remember Kendall telling Roman that in earlier season, season one or two, like you're unserious. Like you can tell this is uh, like a family trope. Like Logan calls you unserious, that that's something that burns deeply. They all adopt that. I, if I was his kid, him telling me to fuck off would hurt more. But I mean, I, I I guess. But I guess my my question my question too because we don't really know the numbers per se. Each person would get on the board. Stewie and pretty much all the non Roy's and on the board are they cut the same with the Gojo deal as as the siblings or the siblings have a bigger percentage? Because if the siblings have a bigger percentage, then it's stupid to challenge this. Because if Stewie didn't have a smaller percentage of the deal. 
of course, it's they're being it's all about self-interest of like, well, what can I get as Stewie? What can I get? I forgot the lady's name. That's that's Sandy. What, Sandy. What can I get as Sandy? Like if my cut is one point, my, if my cut is 900 million, but the kids cut is three million or two point two million, then they're going to want more money. But in turn, are you fucking yourself? I'm speaking for the kids. Are you fucking yourself over if 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 you're getting more money out of this deal than than anybody else on the board? Does that make I, sense? I mean, so so Stewie is a representative of the Furness group, which Sandy, that's her dad, which the dad's name was also Sandy, but it was like Sandy with a Y. She's Sandy with an I, I believe. <laughs> um, I which that, is, yeah. yeah, crazy. <laughs> I mean, they have seats on the board just like the kids do. So I don't know if that means they have an equal sh- you know, equal share, but I would assume that the Furness group probably they're getting a good chunk of change. Like I, maybe Stewie doesn't get as much as the kids or as Sandy, but I think like they're all getting a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's really going to be a huge deciding factor. I mean, for Stewie, absolutely. Like if he's getting like some like, you know, service fee or some like, uh, you know, consulting fee, much like the, the banker guy that we saw in, uh, the first episode, I can understand that, but I think they're all going to make more money. You know what I mean? They're all going to make a tremendous amount of money, regardless of what the deal is. I, I guess my question is, if if the Sims are making substantially more money, why would you? And I, I, again, we don't know what to make. We don't know the the numbers per se for each yeah. person on the board. But if if it is to a point where the kids are making more, substantially more than anybody else on the board, why would you risk trying to go back to renegotiate renegotiate this deal over? And, and, and still sending them getting significantly less is one is my point. For me, like I don't even care. Like I the fact like I, I the questions you're asking are, are good questions. For me, like the the conflict between whether they should push um for a better deal or for more money from this deal allows this scene to happen, right? Like allows to get all these people in the room. And like we talked about earlier, like you get to see without even the words being spoken, you get to see what everybody wants out of this. Like Roman is more in line with his father. He believe he wants to just take the deal. Um, he wants to do whatever it is that keeps him in line with his siblings as well as with his father. Right. That's why he didn't want to do the, the Pierce deal. Yeah. Didn't think it was good. He wanted them to build something uh, and work with that together. Kendall, I think, is, is has changed his mind and wants to, to push uh, and wants to go with, you know, Shiv and Sandy and Stewie because I think he ultimately sees a path for him to get back in line to succeed his father if something happens to him. It's just anything happens in general, right? Shiv, we know her eyes are, are bloodshot red from rage and vengeance because of uh, her father's interference basically in her marriage or her divorce. Like, yeah, we all, we get to see that. And like, it's just, that's the beauty of the show and the writing is that none of those characters have to say that. We can look on their face. We can see how they respond to certain things that Logan says, how they respond to each other. Like this inner monologue that's going on between the siblings. Um, and that's what makes that scene like perfection to me. Right. Um, we see Carrie in there refusing to leave, right? And that she gets to see all of this, this dysfunction and, and how these relationships with Logan typically end up, right? So like, this should be some type of warning to her, but it probably won't be. <laughs> I, think- I think my thing is, 
because typically in negotiations, when you're trying to, when you do a handshake on a deal and then you want to, you want to come back to the table, you typically have some type of like foundation of like, Hey, well, company A is going to go, is going to offer me this much. So, and they came, they came in at the 11th hour. What are you offering company B? They have no, they have no leverage. Like you're, you're pretty much sticking your dick out for like, and, and risk and risking losing everything because you don't have another company that's willing to put up the money that Madison's willing to put up. So I don't understand what the motivation is to risk all of that when when, when no other buyer is within miles is, is, one, is, is willing to give you the money that Madison wants to give you. You know what I think it is, Frank? I think it's what we talked about in the first episode. They don't have an understanding of money. They've always had money. It's it's kind of the easy come, easy go. They don't have a great understanding of how much actual money, you know, like, you know, Connor, like basically just going to throw $100 million in the trash just because it would quote unquote, keep him in the conversation with his 1% polling for the presidential election. Like I think about like just trashing a hundred million dollars and like not really being, not really worrying about it. Cause you've got so much money that it doesn't matter. I think it's just their lack of understanding of money. I, but I do, I do think that there was an interesting part in this episode because Kendall changes his mind after he gets a FaceTime call with, with Madsen because Prior to getting that call, Kendall was aligned with Roman again, kind of against Shiv, basically saying, "Look, like let's this is a good deal. Let's just go through the deal that Dad made." And after that, after that Facetime call, you know, where where Matson basically tells him, "Like, look, don't mess this up." And he, he, you know, he he's talking down to Kendall. It seems like that that motivates Kendall to like want to stick it to, like, let's try to get every dollar out of Matson. And if he walks away whatever you know i because because like as we've learned like they're not like in the first episode they were like oh they were all in for this hundred until they weren't and then they couldn't care less mm-hmm. they're like no let's let's get this other thing let's go get pgn like let's do that and now if the pgn thing falls through i don't think they're gonna care i think like they're just so used to being in this game and battling their dad and dealing with these ridiculous figures and money and and you know for kindle it's all about knowing the most you know, trying to be as cool as possible and knowing the most hipster kind of things to say and, you know, wearing the fanciest clothes and um, just the lack of reality in that, in that like, character. And this is, why serious. this is why he says they're unserious. Exactly. They are. And like they learned nothing from the Adrian. I, I can't, I can't, I forgot what Adrian Brody played last season, his character, but like, oh, they right, fucked up right. that deal too. People forget yeah. That was the first deal they were trying to put in place, right? And, and they fucked that up. So you yeah. you would you you would think, okay, because not not every day you get a billionaire that's willing to, that's willing to buy a piece of your business. Like you lost one billionaire in episode I want to say episode eight, and then Madison comes in on on a favor I think on a favor from Kendall, or um and and wants to buy your company. You willing to fuck that up again for a second time with no other backup plan? Like what are you like what what are we doing here? Yeah. No, I, I I don't know. I I I think they're just so used to playing the game that it doesn't even like hurting their dad's feelings or making him have a tough day trying to renegotiate or whatever is worth more to them than the money. Even but you know, it's funny because in, in their in their when they're talking with their dad, they're talking about how it's just a money deal, which we know it's not, but they're they're trying to rationalize it by saying like like shifts says, Hey, this is just a business deal. This is just about money and you know, uh 
Kendall tells his dad, look, like, you know, if we renegotiate that, there could be hundreds, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or a hundred million dollar in it, in it for each, a hundred million dollar more for each of us. And he's like, Hey dad, how many, how many sorries do we get for a hundred million? You know, like, so they do try to rationalize the figures and the money, but I well, think what's, it's just what's a hundred million. If I'm getting a billion already, what is a hundred? Like at that point, what, yeah, what, what is know. that? <laughs> it's, it's just cause they want to fuck with their dad, you know, like, it, you know, it's like, uh, last season where someone said something about, you know, I've never seen Logan get fucked, you know, like that's not not once Tom said that. Yeah. Not Mm -hmm. once have I seen that happen and they're just trying to mess with him. They're trying to take him down a peg and it's, it's such a crazy story, you know, cause it's still their dad and on some level they still love him, but he's their, their mortal enemy, but he's also their dad. So it's, he also fosters an environment that rewards like backstabbing and yep. <clears throat> scheming and plots, schemes and plots. Um, <laughs> so I think ultimately this is the only way that Logan ha- will come to respect them is by them becoming killers, trying to take him, him out of peg. It's so Shakespeare. This is the most Shakespearean show that I've ever seen. And there's a reason they keep mentioning Oedipus Rex. Like there's probably about five to six uh, references to Oedipus Rex over the course of the three, three point, you know, three seasons and two episodes that, you know, that we've seen is because everything about this is Shakespearean, right? You have the, the mogul Titan who has, you know, set all these things up for his children, but he does not know how to show love to them. And he can only, like I said, foster an environment to where they go against him. They, well, they have to backstab him for their survival. Um, Shiv was, at, at first, the only one of them who showed some level of like self-confidence around her father's because she wasn't in the company, right? right? The more she got into the company, the less of Shiv she became. She right. started losing a lot of her self-confidence, yeah. uh, self-esteem, like so many things broke down with her because the closer she got to her father, the further she got away from who she was probably meant to be, right? Yeah. Uh, Kendall has all the, the business speak, right? He has the look of somebody who, you know, is, is going to take over and be CEO of a Fortune 500 company, but he's not nearly as smart as he wants to be. He's typically a fuck up, scared of his father, and he's, you know, a drug addict, like amongst other things, right? Roman has the, the instincts of his father, but none of the execution or the seriousness um, work ethic, <laughs> work ethic, right? Sustained work ethic, at least, to like make this shit happen. Like this is so Shakespearean. Man. And then it's Connor, <laughs> right, right. The old, the oldest child, who in theory should have been the one being groomed, but nobody, not a single soul on planet Earth takes him seriously. Um, man, this is like this is amazing. Like writing and. Uh, just the consumption of the show, the construction of the show as a whole, man, just, it's amazing. And then, then we'll get to the very end of the episode where after the, after the fallout from the karaoke scene, uh, we see, you know, Logan is telling Carrie like, okay, we're going to go meet with Matson, And he says, you know, get Carl, get Frank. Uh, he says, not Jerry though. And Tom, of course, they're going to go meet with Matson, And then, you know, we, we see, uh, we see Roman show up at Logan's house and, you know, Logan wants Roman to be on his side as they go and talk to Matson. And I guess, I don't know what, I don't know what Roman's 
or I don't know what Logan's going to try to do. I don't know if he's going to try to like renegotiate or if he's just going to, I don't know, just test the waters and see what he thinks will happen with Matson. But uh, he wants uh, Logan wants Roman by his side, and he you know he tells Roman that you know not only does he want him by his side, he needs him. And then he also mentions that you know smart smart people know what they are. That that that's uh, Logan's quote to Roman saying like I need somebody because basically he's telling Roman like once we make this deal, ATN's getting a complete makeover, and I need somebody somebody like you to take over and run this thing and you're going to be the one calling the shots and he you can tell that's what Roman wants to hear he needs somebody to be a piece of shit yeah right like and that's a, that's another way that he plans to use Roman um without really like fully giving him the power and really respect that he needs he just needs somebody to be an attack dog so on and so forth um like he's still not respecting all the things that Roman could bring he's just like hey this one thing about you that every that people know you for for being crude and being you know brash and all these things. I need that part of you. I don't want the growth and emotional intelligence that that is subtle, but it's there for all to see. He wants the horrible parts of him because that's what he recognizes. Yeah. Break your thoughts. Uh, nah, man. I echo what Tristan says, man. It's just. The dynamic is is very petulant in a way with these kids and um, me as a commenter watching this show and like and knowing that these kind of things happen with billionaires all the time in their families is is it's just it's hilarious to me and almost offensive in a way because it's like shit inflation is going up every goddamn quarter and every every fucking year and like people are hacking over people hacking over egos and, and and money on bad deals and because of you know eroding relationships back in the back in the day so yeah yeah i mean billionaires they're like people like us you know like they're just people so <laughs> but i i did want to say uh hundred feet tall right <laughs> i did really enjoy one of one of roman's other lines that i thought was great was in the beginning of the episode they're, they're him and kendall are watching um <laughs> they're watching carrie's bad audition tape and they, they, they want to watch it over and over and uh, Roman's like, man, he's like, dad used to be, he was a God. He's like, but tomorrow he's selling the empire to a four chan Swede and dishing out jobs for blowies. <laughs> like, I just love that. <laughs> it's like, again, like in, in their minds, they've, they've taken Logan down a peg mentally. Right. Right. Just because of the decisions and just complete erraticness, but like they can't, they can't, fully like stand up for like to him like they know that all of them still have a need as connor tells them like you said that's a bar they all still have a need to be in his good graces and logan knows that and he, he knows how to pull each one of them in he knew that you know telling Ro roman i need you is that's catnip to turn to roman roman lives and breathes his father's approval so does kendall uh and he knew you know, by pulling Kendall close, especially after Kendall's like fucked up at the end of season one, like would keep Kendall in the fold. Like he knows telling Shiv, like, hey, I'm giving it to you, right? And name only, right? Or like, right. don't tell anybody, but I'm giving it to you. Like he knew that that would take Shiv out of, you know, whatever bite that, you know, uh, Kendall was trying to enlist her in and get her on his side only went until he was ready. 
to like discard her. And once he was ready to once he's ready to discard of all of them, he has no issue doing that. No, no, and it's you know I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing how this story continues because they showed us the look ahead for next week, and last night if I could have paid a hundred dollars to watch episode three, I would have done it. I would have been like, here HBO Max, take my money, I'm ready to watch it because the the thirty second or whatever trailer they showed us, it looks like it's going to be like an all timer. Uh, you know, we got the wedding; it's on the yacht. It's another there's, wedding. There's all kinds of issues with the wedding. I think it's going to happen, but uh, I don't know. You know, it's, you know, the, the wedding is happening and it doesn't seem like dear old dad's going to be there at the wedding, which obviously causes some, some drama. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Is there anything that Frank going forward? Is there something you want to see next week, especially, or. Uh, more, more so. Who wins this this tit tat between the kids and, and Logan? I guess it's more of a long con thing. Yeah. As far as next week, shit, whether Willa actually says yes and if she shows up. I mean, we see her in the bed towards the end of the episode. Her coming, I guess that's the way of her coming back home and like come back to her her senses per se. But um, I guess to see next week that she actually goes through with it. I was gonna say the same thing. I want to see how far she's gonna take it. I want to. I want to know more about Willa. Like, I want to know more backstory. Hopefully, like backstory about Connor as well, um, and what's happening to him and his, what happened to him as a youth and um, his relationship with his siblings, his father, his mother. Um, I'd love to know more about. I mean, I, we know how he, he and Willa met, but like, just more. Like, what? What is Willa's life like? Like, what led her to that point? Like, I, I'd love to know more, at least get some like exposition about those things. But I want to see how far she's going to take this thing before she eventually says yes, which we think she will. But if she doesn't, I, I wonder where Connor goes from there. I think uh, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I think he jumps off the ship if it doesn't happen. <laughs> now, you know, in the little teaser for next week, there's something that really piqued my interest is we see, uh, you know, America's favorite oddball couple. looks like Jerry and Roman are having a little bit of an issue that maybe, uh, maybe Roman uh, has to backstab her or something in, in one of these situations. There's a reference to that. So I can't wait to see that part of it. So night of the, the knives or something like that. That's a, a Hitler the long knives. Yeah. <laughs> night of the long knives. Yeah. So anyway, that, that'll be next week though. So, but anyway, this week, great episode. Frank had to leave us just a second ago. So uh, anyway, we're about to get out of here, but um, you know, now that you kind of know what we think about the episode, we want to know what you think about this episode. And you know, the best way to tell us, I mean, honestly, the best way is to tell us here in the chat. We're on YouTube. Leave your comments in here. You know, if you're watching this, do us a favor, hit that like button, subscribe. I think we're up to like 237 subscribers on YouTube right now. So Help us get that number up. We'd like to get to like 300 by the summer. So we'd appreciate that. Also, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Watchers Basement. And, you know, if you're if you're commenting on social media, please use the hashtag, hashtag Watchers Basement. Let us know what you want us to talk about in the future. We're going to be talking about Succession for a while, but there's some big stuff coming up. There's a Blue Beetle trailer that dropped today. I don't know that anybody else cares about that but me. There was a Secret Invasion trailer that dropped last night, the next MCU series. Yep. yep, that looks pretty good. So we're talking about that. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 
is less than a month away or about a month away air the story about you know the jordan uh nike deal that movie's in theaters this week the mario brothers movie's coming out there's a lot of stuff going on so let us know what you want us to talk about and again use the hashtag watchers basement and also you know we appreciate everybody who's watching us now on youtube but if you prefer audio which you know if you're watching if you're on spotify you can actually watch us on spotify also it's kind of a cool thing our video is on spotify but uh yeah, if you're listening on Spotify, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating. Follow us. If you can just like, whenever you see us, if you could click on everything, that's what we need. <laughs> those, those little clicks, they actually matter. So uh, tell a friend we, to tell a friend. There you go. Tell tell everyone. We need all the help we can get. So, so with that, Tristan, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Can't wait till next week. Go strolls. Sit. See y'all next week. Yeah, thanks. So so for Tristan, for Justin, this is uh this is uh yeah, wrapping up episode two of Succession. We'll see you next week for episode three. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening. Have a good night. Bye bye.